0: Hello, I'm Gemma Kearney and welcome to our final episode in this series of Life on Our Terms, a podcast with The Open University. Whoa, what a series it's been. I think that we've clearly seen in all our episodes so far that there are so many ways to achieve your ambitions or to keep learning as you work towards them. I really hope that the conversations and the insights from our guests have inspired you too, whatever your passions and wherever you are on your journey. And it's been so brilliant to hear from some of the students at The Open University about how they're taking control of their education to further their life goals in a way that works for them. Inspiration all round, I think. We're rounding off the series with a topic that's always been relevant, but up until recently was stigmatised and not necessarily talked about enough. But it's so important for everyone. And one of the big things that I want to cover with my guest It's mental health on our terms. My guest today is former top model, best-selling chef and presenter, speaker, author and wellness advocate, Lorraine Pascal. Her mission statement is all about helping people to find and use their strengths, develop resilience and live the best life possible. How nice! Hello, Lorraine. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Before we go into all the brilliant detail about all the different successes that you've had, because there's been many, can you tell us a little bit about your experience in education specifically?
1: Um, Well, I kind of, I went to a, a primary school in Oxfordshire. And then um, when I went, you know, at 11 years old, I was been in and out of care. And so there was a a charity that rather than put children in and out of care, they paid for children to go to boarding school. So um, you had to do the 11 plus And then I got a full scholarship to this boarding school in Devon. And I went there for five years, which was actually so awesome. What
0: was it that made it awesome?
1: I think what made it awesome was I had a sense of um, routine. I was with the same people all the time. I had consistency. The lessons were fun, most of them. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And it was just for the first time in my life, I had a real sense of uh,
0: belonging and consistency. And did it give you a hunger and appetite for learning?
1: Um, Unfortunately, at that time. So at 16, it was the summer holidays. I was waiting for my GCSE results and I ended up meeting (laughs) somebody and I left. I left to live in Australia at 16. and <laughs> I didn't go back to do my A levels. So, <laughs> so um, romance I, oh, got in the way. Oh, dear. Um, so that was a long break then from then, and I did my modeling and everything. But I always felt bad, actually. Um, not that anyone f- should feel bad, but that I hadn't done my A levels. All my friends were going to uni. And even though I was uh, modeling, which I really enjoyed, I just felt because my, you know, my father, he is, um, a language teacher. He speaks like eight languages. And you know, my siblings went to uni, and I was like, oh dear. And so it was after um, the birth of my uh, daughter when I decided I wanted to be in the country more. So I was flying around modeling so much. And I really wanted to be in one place. So I thought, okay, what can I do to train? What how can I what can what can I do? It's always that question, isn't it? What's my passion? What's my purpose? And so I set about trying to find what it was that I loved and what made me tick.
0: I think it's really special that you shared with us that those early days of education, because they are unique in the sense of you finding that consistency from being in care to going to boarding school, which a lot of people have opinions about, but they don't actually know what it's like to go to boarding school. Uh, and then you say, you know, you got swept up as a teenager into something completely different and reclaimed education at a later stage and I think that's what this is all about it's about the fact that we have different chapters in life and that education should never be something that that isn't accessible to you depending on like where you're at.
1: No that's absolutely right and it's also sometimes at school maybe your head's not quite in the right place maybe there's challenges at home Um, where it's just not the right time for you. And it's lovely as an adult to go into studying, doing something that you actually want to do. You know, so it makes a huge difference. It makes a huge difference actually wanting to learn, wanting to do the essays. Um, it's, It's a real gift.
0: What was your BA in? What are you studying now? And what do you hope to study next?
1: My BA was in International Culinary Arts Management. And my MSc is in psychology. And next, I hope to do a PhD in psychology. As you do. (laughs) (laughs) Something to do, isn't it? Keep my mind out of mischief. I love how
0: you just reel it off. It's just really intense and amazing things to learn. It must have been so (laughs) exciting to become an academic.
1: Well, if you'd have told me at 16 that I'd be choosing to go back to school, I would have thought you were absolutely crazy, you know, as an adult. But I guess it's about having a why. And I really wanted to find something else and be really skilled at it. And um, yeah, so I started, I, I read this book called What Color Is Your Parachute? And it's kind of like for people who are changing careers or starting a career who don't really know what they want to do. And And so I did all these different courses for, you know, whether it was a day, introductory courses or, you know, just showing up at the back of the class for these introduction things. And I didn't really like any of them. I I tried um, a car mechanic apprenticeship. I tried doing interior design. Um, I tried doing hypnotherapy.
0: (laughs) This is such a broad spectrum. I
1: did all these different things and then... I went to a school and did um, like a once a week cooking class for 10 weeks, fell in love with it, enrolled and did the whole year there. And then I went to another, um, then I went to a university to do a a bachelor's degree. So that was like, I don't know, 12 years ago, but I'm really happy. It was such a great sense of achievement. Yeah. And then I, I was doing TV at the same time. So it was Yeah, it was quite a busy time, but I don't know. It's just something that's within me. And to be honest, I'm studying again now and my my master's degree, a master of science and psychology. And I I wasn't going to do it because I thought the dissertation is just like... (laughs) uh, But again, we can choose a topic. And so it just makes it really fun.
0: I want to talk to you about that idea of trial and error, the fact that you tried so many different things from being a car mechanic <laughs> to a hypnotherapist and then finding your true love in cooking and now, again, learning something different. Is that all right? Are we allowed that freedom to to try and try again and, and see what we like? Absolutely. I think it's
1: sort of like if you have a partner, some people have a partner from the 16 until, you know, the rest of their life. Some people have changed partners and it's the same with a house, a job, (laughs) a career. You know, I was on did TV yesterday and I was saying like, I still do love cooking and I'm so grateful for the baking and stuff I did, but that's kind of something that I want to change. It's something now that I feel I've exhausted. I like a challenge. So I feel like I've reached the peak of that challenge wise for me and now i want a new challenge and i also really want to give back so a good way of finding your purpose or what's good for you educationally is what is it that you've got through um in life or something that really means something to you that perhaps now you could um study more around and then use it to help others so that's why i'm doing psychology
0: at the moment how would you define what you're up to on a like a public scale? Because a lot of people know you as model turned chef. What? How would you describe yourself?
1: I mean, I'm still those things. Still model. Still a model turned chef. Turned student again. At the moment, yeah, I'm doing a master of science in psychology, and then I'm looking to do a doctorate.
0: How have you found that people respond to you being on this evolution? I know it's not really up to them, but it's interesting when somebody's already established a role publicly, and then you decide to change it. How have people responded? Do you know what? It's
1: actually really hard. And I've been posting mental health things for years, and every time I used to post, people like, "What are you doing? Why Aren't you doing food? Where's the cake?" And it's it's been a massively. It seems like oh, it's just happened in the last year, but I've been trying to do this for maybe five years. And so people kind of want to see, and I I think, you know, I'm guilty as well. If you're in that sort of pigeonhole, then that's your pigeonhole and don't step out of that. Especially, I think we're quite guilty of that in the UK. I I found in America, they're more accepting, especially if you're in the public eye, you want to do this, you want to do that, you want to do that. It's fine. But here, I think people like to kind of know where you are and know that you're staying there so that's a really good question it has been difficult I think now pretty much the tables have turned so now I can post freely without getting all these comments about what am I doing how dare you try and look after my emotional health you know (laughs) where's the cake
0: (laughs) (laughs) but that's all we're like told is going to sort us out See, cake and we'll be fine yeah but
1: I just think for anyone out there who's really keen to change careers or give something a go, I think it's not listening to other people's voices. There's so many voices always, including your own, um, and more opportunities are not to make you not do it, to make you stay where, where you are. But if you can, it's, it's really great for not only what you might be giving the world with your education, but it's also f- for mental health, emotional health, everything. It's 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 such a gift.
0: Mental health and well-being are both things that are being increasingly talked about in the media. And it feels like there's a general level of awareness that it's actually an important element of living. Do you think that education can help us with this?
1: Yes, absolutely. It's so interesting because how many times has something happened in life where no one kind of tells you the are facts. So, so for example, say you're going out with someone and they, they you know they dump you or something, you think, oh, I'm awful, I'm terrible. But the actual fact is no, it's actually nothing to do with you. It's you know, it's just their personal, their choice. You weren't right, it's a dynamic, it's a chemistry, it's nothing personal, or even spotting a character in someone. There's lots of people that end up in really challenging relationships, verbally abusive relationships, emotionally abusive relationships. If we knew the very clear indicators for these kind of partners through education, I mean, wouldn't we we'd go, oh, okay. If you know, imagine if we had one lesson a week at school throughout school, Wow, it would be so all these things we have to learn. And I'm telling my daughter and the things that my friends told me, you know, and we have to do it by trial and error. It'd be wonderful to have proper life lessons at school.
0: I would be well up for that. It would have saved me a lot of heartache. <laughs>
1: right? Because <laughs> that, and when you get older, you're like, oh, oh, now I get it. Oh, I see. So I shouldn't go out with people that are like that.
0: Oh, right. And I think it's more for me in terms of my passion for talking about life and who we are and, and, and people and humanity. It's also about being able to truly understand how to look after yourself, we need to know and understand who we are and what makes us us, which can help us in terms of like moving forward from a professional and personal level and who we end up in relationships with too.
1: Absolutely. And that's the basis of it all. The basis of all of this, if it was to be in education, is self-worth it's more than self-esteem. Self-esteem is almost like a confidence. Self-worth is how valuable you are. And it's learning about boundaries, which is all tied to values, your values, and your worth. And then from that, self-like, because I think self-love is a bit of a tall order for lots of people. And especially um us Brits, we, we're like, oh, sounds a bit <laughs> self-love. So, you know, self-like is fine. And appreciating, (laughs) appreciating your value. That's what I say. (laughs) (laughs) So if we can get to self-like, yeah, yeah. you know what? I'm okay. I'm all right. Then I think that's a good place to get to.
0: interesting language is very much a part of this as well and boundaries is something that I'm seeing talked about a lot more well, I wouldn't have even known what the idea of boundaries were when I was growing up if not if anything I think I was taught the opposite of them and and <laughs> <Exactly>. uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry if you grew up in the 90s and you went to drama school are you crazy <laughs> boundaries we were taught how to be boundaryless um So I'm interested in the idea of boundaries, and and I definitely credit them as an enhancement of life and and growing and growing up, and resilience. Resilience, again, another word, an idea that is coming into the mainstream when talking about our minds and well being, and I think very empowering. What do you think?
1: Yeah, um, I love resilience. I've been doing a lot of studying into. Post traumatic growth, which is, it's all about resilience. And for me, resilience uh, is knowing that you're going to be okay, knowing that you'll be able to bounce back. And there are lots of things, like I have a constant voice inside my head that I, if there's a the negative one that goes on and on, but um, I've cultivated a, 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 like my own cheer, cheerleader, my own coach. And that's part of my resilience. So if anything is not working out, I go, it's okay, it's gonna be okay, you can get through this. Cause sometimes you might not have friends around, some people don't have really close friends. So it's about part of resilience is cultivating your own personal cheerleader. But I, I do love things like gratitude, self-compassion, all of those things every day. So if you have a bad situation, just and things aren't going well just for a minute, just okay, what do I have? What can I do? What am I grateful for? You know, it's not great now. It's just that constant self-talk is very powerful um, in building resilience. But I think as well, often you don't build resilience until you've been through something. So this is a great time for all of us (laughs) to build resilience.
0: (laughs) How have you found remote learning this year?
1: Oh, I love it. I'm an introvert. So I don't really like going into like class every day and that kind of thing. I, I really, really like it. And I think it's great, especially if you're working. So it's really flexible um to be able to do it when you
0: have the time. Can you tell me what you think of the OU? I think it's really awesome, actually.
1: In fact, I've been looking at I believe there's a PhD in psychology and I've been looking at that as well because it's a great opportunity to have a a platform that's well established to do online learning because lots of people are trying but obviously Open University's been doing it for such a long time and so I'm very interested the next step might
0: be with the OU. (laughs) Thank you incredible Lorraine Pascal I hope our paths cross again sometime.
1: Yes thank you so much I've really enjoyed it thank you for having me on
0: It's been really wonderful and uplifting to talk to Lorraine about how she's become an advocate for helping people to understand themselves better. And really at the heart of all this is the ability to access information and support. If we don't talk about this in schools or colleges or workplaces, then it's very difficult for things to change. Being open and giving everyone access to these ideas is the way to start breaking down the stigma about mental health. And it gives people the chance to develop their own tools and coping mechanisms as a lifelong skill. Lifelong learning takes all sorts of different forms. And right now, I'm going to catch up with a student from the Open University to see what lifelong learning means to her. Zara is currently studying a psychology degree with counselling. And I want to talk to her about how she's been encouraged to think big. Hi Zara, how are you?
2: Hi David, I'm good, how are you?
0: I'm all right. <laughs> First of all, let me uh, introduce myself. I am on a quest to find out about how we can all gain knowledge, learn things but in a completely different way and I know that you're someone that's doing that so tell us a bit about what you're studying and what you love most about your course.
2: So I'm currently a student at the Open University and I study psychology and counselling through distant learning. So I suppose what I find most interesting about it is how much reflective learning there is. And the module content really gets you to engage with everyday activities that you're doing at the moment. So rather than just reading a textbook and um, kind of textbook learning, it's really, really engaging. So there's lots of activities that will get you to reflect on your own personal experiences or based on people that you know. And there's lots of audio and podcasts and yeah, it's just it's it's just so diverse that there's something for depending on how I'm feeling. Because sometimes I like to read, so I've got the books there. Um, but I'm busy. So with the OU app as well, I can listen to podcasts when I'm out and about because I walk quite a lot. So I think what I like most about the course is how diverse it is and I can access it from anywhere.
0: So what do you do outside of studying? I know that you're working as well.
2: So I'm currently employed as an in-work support advisor. So I support people that are recovering from alcohol and substance misuse to sustain employment um, through emotional and employability support. What does your employer think of the OU? Um, My employer's been very supportive. They have encouraged me to engage the content at work as well. Um, So some skills that we learn at the Open University are transferable to everyday lives. So, for example, communication skills. So learning how to write concisely. A lot of people can struggle with that in everyday life when it comes to filling in a job application. So I've taken what I've learned from the OU And I've been able to deliver that in online training for our service, which has helped people gain employment, which is something I'm incredibly proud of.
0: In terms of discipline and timetabling, how do you find that?
2: Um, Timetabling was a challenge to begin with. So if, if I could give advice to anybody, it's to sit down and take the time to plan. So I would advise anybody starting a module to look at the weeks as a kind of general and work out what times you're gonna be busier. And of course you're gonna have things that'll pop up. That's just life, isn't it? But planning ahead has really helped me have that work study life balance. <laughs> um because I can feel myself personally, professionally developing with everything that I'm taking in. So it's not as if it's empty time and with the OU you can track your progress towards your kind of end goal and i find that really motivates me so on the module website you'll start the module with 0 out of 100% and each activity and each chapter that you engage with that chips away it and gives you a of, an extra couple of percent so like for example at the moment i've just got to 43% of a second year module and just seeing that i was like wow The end's in sight, I suppose.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What about the people around you? Are are they seeing you trying to compartmentalize, taking all of this on board and uh, making sure that you're okay?
2: (laughs) (laughs) So, with with my family, I'll show them my assignments because I'm proud of them. Like my granny in particular, I copy and paste my assignments into Facebook Messenger. and she proofreads it for me. And she, Amazing. Oh, she absolutely loves it. Um, <laughs> and she's been my biggest cheerleader for it all. And my my granny lives in Himmel-Hempstead and I live in Glasgow. So she's able to see my journey through technology. And that just reflects OU's kind of OU anywhere. And it is really interesting. My partner watches all of my um, documentaries I have to watch for psychology now. He finds it fascinating. So yeah um share your experience
0: and what was your experience of education before you found the open university was further education something that you thought was right for you
2: no before the open university my experience of education wasn't kind of bright or wonderful to be honest um sorry if I get a little bit emotional here I I'd always been put down in education um so usually you'd expect educators to kind of motivate you and say oh you should be aiming for this and and my experience was was very different from that it was always oh this is my ambition this is what i'd like to do and i always had people say well i don't know if you're really able for that maybe you should look at this instead and it was always kind of pushed aside i struggled a lot academically throughout high school with being able to articulate what was going on in my mind, so when I left school, I never thought I would return to education, and it was always something that I wanted to do because I could see people that I knew were so passionate about having their degree in their career um and part of me was always trying to push like oh you don't you don't need a degree to be successful and I, I think part of me still thinks that, but learning. Is more than just a degree. It offers so much more. And I fully intend to continue learning for the rest of my life. And that's come from the All You kind of given me a voice. Incredible. Yeah.
0: In terms of challenges outside of timetabling, what else pops up when you're on a whole kind of unexpected journey of further education? And how have the Open University supported you when those barriers come?
2: My confidence levels weren't very high um, when I started my journey. And I often struggled to engage with people that I met. So I would be the kind of quiet girl in the corner. I wouldn't really put myself out there and share my thoughts on a a topic. And I think that held me back quite a bit um, in my career as well. So if I was sitting in a boardroom and if somebody was coming up with a, a proposal for a new idea... I would be sitting in the background thinking, oh, but if you did that, that would be be next level. And when I started with Open University, they kind of broke that barrier down by giving me different avenues to express myself. So as much as it's distant learning, I interact with students on a daily basis on a variety of different platforms there's forums which are brilliant just for kind of sharing your ideas and hearing the different perspectives of your peers. So just to make sure, I could, it's almost like a, a sense check to make sure that you have fully understood what you were meant to from the material. But a game changer for me, I would say it would be our online tutorials. And the reason for that is it took away the fear of not being able to articulate my thoughts. Because the way I looked at it is, well, they're all in the same kind of stage as me, aren't they? So I was like, why not? Go for it. So I started really trying to interact during the online tutorials. And through that, I've developed great relationships, both with my tutors and like fellow students. And that has transformed my confidence, even in the sense where people will reach out to me to to kind of run things by me or the confidence that I then had to ask for extra help when I needed it. Sometimes I think I've lucked out, but I've not because everybody I know that's on the course feels the same as me.
0: What about your tutors? How do you find them to be specifically supportive?
2: They've really, really been incredible. So when I decided to study psychology and counselling, I was a little bit worried about the content being too heavy for me to understand. Um, and because of that concern, I voiced it to my tutors just so they understood why I was asking kind of additional questions. I wanted to make sure that I was taking the the module in, right? And one of my tutors is actually a lecturer at another university. So I'm getting the exact same experience, if not more supportive because it's not a massive class of 200 psychology students. It's a small cluster um, of local students going through the same thing. So, yeah, I I feel blessed with the tutors that I've had at the Open University.
0: And how has the Open University helped you feel about your future?
2: It's just showed me that anything's really possible. And the advice from the Open University is worth its weight in gold. When I was a bit confused about my future prospects... I contacted student support and Gemma and I cannot emphasise how much they supported me through my decisions. They took me through um, different career routes. They helped me understand what I would need to obtain in order to practice in the way I wanted to in the future. And they're just experts in the field. So it's, you, you're not on your own.
0: Has the OU opened up opportunities in other parts of your life?
2: Yeah, the, the OU has opened many doors for me already. So, for example, the job that I'm in at the moment would be more suitable to a psychology graduate. Um, however, because I was enrolled with the Open University, paired with my work experience, my current employer took a chance on me. Um, and that was based on the OU having an accredited um, degree So again, that's opened future opportunities for me because a lot of people don't know, but not all psychology and counselling degrees are accredited. And if you want to take further steps, like myself, if you want to go on and if you want to practice or um, commit to doing a PhD, your degree needs to be accredited. And the OU offers that. And that's quite unique.
0: And what do you want to take out of the course? How does it fit with your future plans?
2: My original OU goal was um, to get a diggity. That's, that's what I wanted to do. Since my confidence has kind of grown arms and legs, um, so is my ambition. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So I will um complete my degree with the Open University, and I've decided that I will continue education, which I never thought I would say. Um so my long-term goal will be to continue education to gain a PhD, which I still sound so strange when I'm saying it. Um a girl that wouldn't pick up a textbook two and a half years <laughs>
0: Brilliant! Alright, yeah. so good
2: so good um so yeah i'd like to have my own practice and help as many people as possible wherever in the world that will be i think that's something i've taken from the open university as well you don't have to limit yourself to a location with the open university like the world really is your oyster you can do it from anywhere where are you gonna do it yeah well my
0: i want you to be my therapist
2: (laughs) So at, at the moment, we're in talks of when, so once I finish my degree, like at the moment, we're looking international. So, both myself and my partner were looking at America and um, maybe Argentina. He'd mentioned Germany a few times as well. So, like, we, we, we don't know yet, um, but it will be international, which again, crazy. Like I never thought I'd be saying that. Zara,
0: you've blown my mind. Your enthusiasm, your openness. And obviously, your continuing knowledge building, it really, really, really resonates. So thank you so much for your time and your brilliance.
2: Thank you, Gemma. And thank you for listening. Um, It's great to have the opportunity to talk about my journey today.
0: This episode has touched on some ideas and topics that I'm very passionate about. It's been wonderful to talk to Lorraine and Zara who have such clear ideas about how we can encourage people to break their own negative barriers and develop their own tools to do so. I think it proves that if we can change the way that we teach people about health and well-being, and the language that we use around it, we can start to see a change in the way that society approaches it. Just because we've dealt with it in one way so far, it doesn't mean that we have to keep following that path. And education is absolutely key to that. It's been a real gift to host and present this podcast series because it's an exploration for me as much as it is an exploration for anyone listening in. To see really upbeat people continuing to learn in a way that they want to is super cool. And I found it really, really inspiring from all the different perspectives and themes that we have explored. This is the final episode of the series, and I hope that our whistle-stop tour of Different to success has left you excited and buzzing to set out with your own ideas because you can do it! Big thanks to The Open University, who, as we've heard, continue to support and encourage their students in achieving their ambitions. You can find all the previous episodes of Life on Our Terms wherever you get your podcasts. And thank you so much for listening. You've been listening to Life on Our Terms, a podcast with The Open University. It was presented by me, Gemma Kearney, and produced by Listen Entertainment.